available in more homes than the Pac-12 Network. We are the Podcast of Champions. I'm David Woods from Bruin Report Online. And here he goes, Miles Jack! And I'm Ryan Abraham from USCFootball.com. Liner going to try to sneak it ahead. Touchdown, SC! We are the Podcast of Champions. Welcome, everyone, back to the Podcast of Champions. I'm David Woods from Bruin Report Online, the UCLA site on the 24-7 Sports Network. And I'm Ryan Abraham from uscfootball.com, the USC site on the 24-7 Sports Network. Together we make the Podcast of Champions, talking all things Pac-12 football. It's the offseason. We can still have Pac-12 football talk to get to. We got some questions to get to. If you want to email us any of your ideas or questions, pack12podcast at gmail.com. We got a bunch of emails today. You can also call or text us at 424-532-0678. We did get a voicemail today, but wasn't the greatest connection. I don't know. It was it sounded like cannon string, Dave. So we'll, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll kind of summarize what I could gain from it when I listen to it. Our buddy Devin and Tempe. Uh, you can also tweet us at Pac12Podcast. The website is pack12podcast.com where you can find all the old episodes. We're up on Reddit as well. Reddit.com slash r slash podcast of champions. But most importantly, get on your iPhone, subscribe and rate us. The podcast of champions. Give us a five-star rating. We love that. I think we got a new one this week, Dave, but we love those five-star ratings. Helps grow the show for sure. And it just really shows us that you care. And especially when you leave us the five stars and then talk trash about us in the comments. That Those are the best. But That's, uh, uh, that's what we enjoy. That's, what, yeah. that's our favorite thing. And I think we've got one of those of that brand today. Uh, the first one from Yoda435 is a five-star rating. Thanks, fellas. I look forward to this podcast every week. I've never had my name mentioned on a podcast, so looking forward to it. Keep up the great work, gents. Go Buffs. And that's from Tom, username, Yoda435. Then we have C Trickle 15 and this, importantly, is a five-star review. So even <laughs> though it's going to say what it's going to say right here, it's a five-star review. We're going to read it. Subject line. You're an idiot, Woods. And because this is a five-star review, I won't even belabor the point that he has written Y-O-U-R. As I've enjoyed, as I've enjoyed this cringeworthy attempt at making a podcast for over a year, I have become annoyed by David's communist politics. This is always last on my list of football information when I run out of threads and podcasts to keep up with, made by Ryan and his respectable team at USCFootball.com. I, I yelled that because... He wrote it in all caps. It's all caps, yeah. Yeah. If I could rate you both individually, well, at least he pays attention to branding, right? Yes. Uh, if I could rate you both individually, Ryan would receive 10 stars and David zero. David, you are softer than the baby blue that UCLA wears, and you should be subject to deportation with a destination such as Cuba or Vietnam. Maybe then you can reflect on the ignorance you spew out of your incompetent mouth on a weekly basis. Fight on, Cole from Bakersfield. Love it. Yeah, absolutely tough, perfect tough review. Fair, you know, absolutely perfect review because <laughs> you want to know what he did, and the haters out there just recognize this. You know what? You know what Cole did? He gave us five stars. That's yeah. all we're asking. That was it's great. a little thing. It's 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 the same amount of work. All you've got to do is click the the rightmost star instead of the leftmost star, and then you're good. Then you can yeah. do whatever you want. Um, you're not a communist. What? You're more, are you more like libertarian? Like what are or what are you, what? I would uh, so I am uh, I would I think technically I would fall in like a social democrat democratic socialist territory. Okay. Um, I certainly have some. Uh, I wouldn't say I'm like because there's basically the way it works is it's like a, a, a you know kind of the four quadrants right. Where do you stand on the libertarian versus authoritarian standpoint and then whether you're left or right in that spectrum, right? Okay. So you've got your right libertarians, which is, I think, where you mostly lie. And then you've got your right authoritarians, which is like, you know, your general garden variety fascist. You've got your left authoritarians, which are, you know, commonly called tankies, meaning, you know, the people who are like, yeah, you know, Stalin had to break a few eggs to to make this whole thing work. And then you've got your left libertarians, which is sort of like your Chomsky's who are 
you know, in their ideal world, it would be like just small little collectives that don't really have much overarching um, governmental interference, but that's very much a collective at the at the local level. Um, I'm probably in between the two. I'm probably medium on the authoritarian versus libertarian spectrum, but I am very far left. Um, right. I think you need some government. I think there needs to be some national government for sure. Um, but I, you know, I'm 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 not necessarily about the tanks, you know, rolling over people. So, nice. yeah. Well, that's where we are. All right. Well, thanks for those reviews. Uh, those are very cool. We appreciate those all the time. Um, I don't really know where this show is going today. I have some notes, but there's not like a. Well, we just went over political spectrum, so I think we're going to very good places. Where yeah, but I, I'm not. You know, you try to find a theme for the show. I'm not sure what the theme is going to be, so maybe we'll we'll go through it. Um, and, we once you know, titled the show "Free Balling." We could probably call this one free balling as well. We could free ball a little bit. Uh, there's just a few notes I put in uh, in there. So Oregon State's president, F. King Alexander, is under a bunch of pressure because uh, being at LSU when Les Miles was there and all, you know, Les Miles was was let go. Um, Kansas is from Kansas. Kansas is athletic director uh, isn't coming back. Um and so F. King Alexander, a lot of pressure there. So the small, way note, small note, real quick. First, I, and I know we're going to get into some stuff, and it's important. Um, when we when we write out F. King Alexander, can instead of the period and the space between the F and the K, can we just make it asterisk, asterisk? <laughs> I like it. <laughs> anyway, anyway. Very sorry, good. Continue, continue, I'm looking please. at that now. And I yeah. see it. So. Um, so John Canzano wrote, Oregon State is our state's flagship land-grant institution. Its whole purpose is to serve the state. Alexander's leadership now hurts the mission. Uh, so Will Alexander, who has been on the job for less than will he Will Alexander, who's been on the job for less than a year, survive this? So I don't know you saw, if you followed like kind of the less miles stuff, but um, yeah, that's interesting. There's a lot of Seems to be a lot of blood on people's hands, and the fact that F. King Alexander is now at Oregon State, it seems to have that problem has followed uh, all the way to Corvallis. Yeah, and I saw he, he kind of left that statement where he more or less admitted, you know, not doing as much as he should have. So, yeah, be yeah. interesting to see. Will we'll be see. interesting to see. It's in the Pac-12 footprint. Uh, one of my favorite recruits, David, was Puka Nakua. Do you remember him? It's a great name. Uh, former, yeah, I remember great. Puka. Yeah, kid out of utah former uh he was an all-american for the uh, polynesian bowl i he was a usc commit i interviewed him out there in hawaii you know when you interview someone in hawaii it's hard, you like those kids you know um sure. but he's leaving so he's leaving washington uh for byu so uh citing family issues him and his brother both i think um are transferring into byu so uh interesting moves there but there's been some some attrition in Seattle a little bit. Uh, yeah, I mean, so if we're looking at the receiving core right now, at least if I'm going by the transfer portal, some of the stuff might be out of date. Who knows? But you got Puka, you got Ty Jones, you got Jordan Chin all gone. Um, and then quarterback, you got Ethan Garbers, Jacob Sermon out. Um, and then Isaiah Strong in the defensive backfield. Um, that seems like some decent attrition from some guys who were pretty highly rated in high school. Yeah, so I know you don't like spring, but... We'll get some updates on what's going on from, from spring football. Should still be a really good defense for Washington. But, you know, there's been some losses on the offensive side. So we'll have to kind of we'll follow that and see. I not only don't like spring as like a concept for football, I don't think I like it as a season. You're not a big spring guy, huh? It's kind of bad. Like, and I don't know if I'm overly influenced by the South where spring is like very obviously and very clearly the worst mo- uh, series of months of the year. Um, but, you know, you get your allergies going. Um, it's a little too bright and sunny after like being kind of dark and gloomy for a while. Like you need a, I, I, I don't know. I need a bigger, like I need a, uh, more gradual transition period. Like if you could get a second fall coming out of winter instead mm-hmm. of spring, that'd be okay. You'd like that. Yeah. yeah. See, I think um, in the Northeast growing up, spring was welcome because you just wanted to get out, out of all the snow, you know? So it was, a, it was a good transition there, but here like California, I don't know. Some days are beautiful. It's like 60, 75 degrees, whatever. And. Other days it's kind of cold and windy and, you know, it's been raining here lately, which we don't, we haven't got a lot of rain. Yeah. It's yeah. spring is a little weird here. I would say. Yeah. Not, not a, not a huge, not a huge spring guy. Um, there's also another, uh, departure. You remember Matt Fink? I remember Matt Fink. Yeah. He, uh, started one game in his career for USC, 
through three interceptions up uh, in Seattle against Washington. But the week before, he had a huge game. Keaton Slovis goes out, and they're playing a top 10 Utah team in the Coliseum, and he just throws up jump balls all over the place, and uh, USC uh, beats him with uh, you know the, the Fox crew there. Urban yeah, really, Meyer, a, really a function of the uh, wind speed. But yeah. Was, <laughs> he's just throwing literally like punts up there. and uh, But it was, a, it was a big one. But he's he, he's already got his undergraduate degree. He's going to get his master's in the spring. And uh, I talked to Clay Hilton a little bit about it. He decided to move on. They they, they wanted him back. Um, but he is uh, he's moving on. But USC's okay. They got two freshman quarterbacks coming in. And they got a grad transfer, Mo Hassan, from Vanderbilt. He started a couple games down there in the SEC. And they actually gave him a scholarship last year we didn't know about. Um, but So they, they still have four scholarship guys. But, you know, Matt Fink, fan favorite, uh, you know, kind of selfless guy, was around the program five years. I get it. You're not going to be a starter. Probably go on and do whatever you're going to do for the rest of your life. Go out into the real world. Yeah. Would you do that? Like, if you were just, like, playing a college sport like that, and you're like, eh. The end of the I day, mean, if, if I'm not really playing, yeah, I mean, I don't know. Actually, like if the choice for me was playing like college football and not playing college football, I think I would probably opt for door number two because it seems hard. Yeah. Seems like you get hit a little bit. I, I don't know about anybody else out there. I don't like getting hit. And usually when know. he comes in, it's because the starter got hurt. So the line yeah, so already there's job. like there's something there's built into it that like some dude like got hit probably. And now you've got to go in there in a situation where some dude got hit. I'm like, no, I don't want that. Yeah. I don't want to get hit. But, like, the thing is, that's why I would have never in any, like, former facet been a college football player. So I can't really put myself in that mindset because my first instinct would be, no, I don't. I don't. I don't really want that large man with the big ha- the big pads to hit me. So <laughs> I'm going to go do something else. So I support Matt Fink in this endeavor. Um, but he clearly comes from a different mindset than mine because he, he was okay with the getting hit for a while there. It's one of those things like you do it for five years. You're like, yeah, I've had a great experience, you know, and do I want to be a backup quarterback again for the sixth year? I I get, I was curious how many seniors were going to move on. I I don't really have a report from around the rest of the PAC 12, but like, is uh, any of the seniors for UCLA just kind of said, yeah, you know, I'm done. Um, Matt Fink's the only one I know of from USC so far. No, I don't know of any that have um, formally done that. I think, well, obviously, I think with a lot of teams, we're going to shake that out in the spring. Who's not yeah. participating in spring practice is going to be a really easy sign. Uh, UCLA just didn't really have that many dudes who um, could have opted out. A few of them notably have announced that they are coming back. Um, but the, you know, those like fifth year type guys or the fourth year guys who didn't redshirt, it's going to be interesting to see whether they do come back. Yeah. One of the notes, if uh, whatever team you follow, check out to see uh, if last year during the season, any walk-ons were given scholarships, like senior walk-ons. Knowing coming into this, so USC ended up doing this. uh, Like I mentioned, Mo Hassan, there was a a safety transfer, Micah Kroom from uh, Dartmouth. They both got, uh, we didn't know this. And I I was, you know, talking to Clay Helton about Matt Fink and he told me, yeah, those two guys were put on scholarship, and it was in October, so right before the season. So what ends up happening is they have a scholarship, and it's sort of like a free ride for this year. They don't count towards the 85 um, if you had a couple of rides last year. So any program you know, in the Pac-12 or in the country, if you gave like a senior walk-on a scholarship and you had room in 2020, it's basically they have a free scholarship in 2021, too. So um, I'm, I'm curious. I didn't really I, you know, they didn't announce it. I'm not sure why USC didn't announce it to walk on Scott scholarships because it's always like positive, you know. But if whatever team you follow, if, if you saw some seniors get them, they can stick around this year and uh, continue on scholarship. And it won't count that program uh, towards the 85 scholarships. OK. Yeah. A little note. I didn't, didn't realize that happened. Wait, did UCLA pick up a, an Alabama linebacker, Dave? What's going on there? Brandon, or I, I think he goes by Ale Keho. I don't know. I think it's Ale. I don't know. Okay. Anyway, uh, he's a uh, former top tier linebacker recruit who went to Alabama um, and then didn't really play a whole lot. He was mostly playing special teams, a little bit of a backup role at linebacker, which, you know, anywhere else you'd be like, oh, maybe he was a little overrated, but it was Alabama. Right. So, you know, not playing there until you're like fourth year is, you know, can be 
kind of normal. Um, but he elected to transfer. He's going to UCLA next year after, I think initially he committed to Utah as a transfer. Um, he then thought longer on it and decided to go to UCLA where um, I, I think our, anticip- our anticipation is that he's more than likely going to be slotted into the starting lineup from more or less day one. They need a lot of help at inside linebacker. Um, you line him, him up alongside Caleb Johnson. That suddenly looks a lot better than what it looked like this past year. Um, so big get for UCLA. I think it's a huge position of need. They desperately needed somebody who could, um, at the very minimum, provide some serious depth on the inside. And I think the expectation would be that he would actually come in and, and seize that middle linebacker spot or play the other inside linebacker spot and have Caleb Johnson take over um, in the middle. Because uh, Bo Calvert... Um, it, it seemed like he was playing out of position in that role this year. Um, so getting uh, Cahoe in there was going to be it's going to be huge. Yeah, you get an Alabama guy, and it's funny. You, I mean, there's dudes that are just on Alabama's roster. They're like, yeah, they're really good. They're just you know they've got first round draft picks in front of them, so they can't play. Uh, so pick up some guys from there, and you know probably going to be a productive player. So we'll. I've watch. got some breaking news. Oh, you do. Yeah, well, I don't even know if it's that significant for anybody else. But Ethan Garbers, who was transferring from Washington to UCLA, uh, Tracy, bro, just reported that uh, Washington is blocking it uh, from immediate eligibility. So Garbers, uh, I think unless they pass that, is that officially going to happen in August where guys get immediate eligibility? I thought so. Uh, That one-time transfer thing? Well, I guess until that comes and it's retroactive to whatever happened with Garbers this past year, uh, they're trying to block his eligibility for this year. Wow. Yeah. Um, That's the second time they've done that to a Washington to UCLA transfer. They're both quarterbacks, right? Is that yeah. It? Yeah, it was Colson Yankoff the last time. Washington's getting a little cal in them. They don't want everyone to offense. You know, they're like, oh, you know. No, yeah, it's not even that they don't want offense. They don't want anyone in the league to offense. Right. They're, yeah. they're kind of aesthetically opposed. I forget where I think I was doing like our live tunnel vision show on Sunday. It's like a video show we do on YouTube and Facebook and stuff. And they were asking there was some question about quarterbacks and uh, we're talking about, you know, um, Garbers and, you know, like, you know, I liked them a lot and stuff. And we were, and we're, I was talking about, you know, yeah, Cal doesn't want offense sometimes. And they were like, wait, what are you talking? Like, so the way we were using them, I'm like, that's yeah, a term we use on the podcast of champions. So I give her, <laughs> I give ourselves a little plug. <laughs> Yeah, they don't want offense. No, they don't want offense. <laughs> that was that was coined by you, actually. Yeah, um, offense as verb. Yeah. <laughs> um, there was I saw this come through. Um, I don't know if that's big of a deal, but Washington State they're having a little press conference on the the, the Pac-12 networks. They uh, their new football field naming rights uh, with Gesa uh, Credit Union, I guess it is. Um, it'll be a ten-year deal worth uh, eleven million bucks, so a little extra money, a little extra scratch up on the Palouse, uh, doing a naming rights deal for the football field. Great. Yeah. So a little, little money for Washington state. Speaking of Washington state, uh, Pat Chun, the athletic director, I think Brian Fisher tweeted this out. So the conference played only 31 of 45 games required by the media contract. So it was about a $70 million loss league wide, which seems kind of in line. I think it seems like the numbers, sort of line up uh, for that. Um, but I don't know that significant, but it seems like by playing the season and getting those 31 games in, it was a significant, you know, there, there could have been much greater losses. And I think the athletic directors and the athletic departments would have been stretched a lot thinner. Uh, hadn't those, at least they got those 31 games in. Yeah. I mean, yeah, for sure. Uh, they could have gotten them in this spring though. Just, you know, throwing it out there. Yeah, have you watched any of the FCS? It's mostly on like ESPN Plus and stuff. No, God, no. I'm not going to watch any of that crap. Yeah, I, I kind of wanted to. I just haven't. Yeah, yeah, but you're also the guy who watches spring games. You're not like the the the, the real market here. You're a crazy person. I'm sort of crazy, yeah. Um, I love my football. I want to get it like year-round. Uh, yeah, so doing all that stuff. Um, okay, so that's kind of all the topics we have. Why don't we take a quick break? We'll come back and we'll get to questions and maybe we'll, we got to figure out what the, the theme of the show is today. I, just, I haven't found it yet, but we'll, we'll find, find it. Soon. We're going to find it. All right. Cause I need a title, David. Yeah. You know, oh, yeah, yeah. I have to come up with these every week. So you, you know, you can help me. Uh, all right. So think about it during the break. You have a minute to think about it. We'll be back in a minute. 
we're back on the podcast of champions. Do you think about it? I've got minute? it. I've got it. I've got it. You know what we're doing? We used the Latin phrase that Hitfoot used as a subject line last week. Oh, okay. A From... sinus ad lyrum. All right. And do, I forget what that one was. Yeah, you know, I don't remember at all. I don't retain <laughs> that at all. But it sounds cool. I, that does sound cool. Um, oh, an ass to the liar. What was it? An ass to the liar. Okay. Uh, yeah, like that's L Y R E. Right. I think uh, perfect. Let's uh, we'll we'll put that in there. And then people ask questions about it. And there uh, we go. We yeah. won't know exactly why. I mentioned we uh, we actually do have a, a voicemail I've downloaded. I thought that's how I spent my minute, David. Um, but we did get a one from Devin from Tempe. Sorry, Devin, it was breaking up. Um, I think I didn't hear the name Jaden Daniels, but I believe he was talking about like guys like Keen Slovis. And DTR, uh, I think it was like the top returning quarterback in the conference. I believe John Wilner might have thrown Jaden Daniels' name out there. Or you did, too. I think you all you know, talked about that. Um, and Devin was like, am I missing something? Um, so maybe any thoughts on uh, Jaden Daniels being the potential top returning quarterback in the conference, Dave? Oh, no, I, I think he is. If we failed to mention that, that's an oversight. Um no, I think he. Uh, I think there's going to be kind of a, a a group of them that have a chance to go down as that. Um, I think Jaden Daniels and Dorian Thompson Robinson each have a shot. Um, I think the dual threat capabilities of both um, kind of maybe take them a notch higher. Um, but if Keaton Slovis comes back looking more like his freshman self um, and uh, can put together a full season of looking like his freshman self, then he's going to be in that conversation too. Um, I don't think, I, I don't think the Washington schools are going to have it. I, 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 I truly just don't know what's going on with Oregon, um, Oregon state. No. Um, so Davis mills, maybe he's gone though. So he's not gone. him. Yeah. Um, Cal. No, no. Our buddy. No, Mr. Garbers. No, 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 no. Okay. Um, yeah, so I think it's probably between Daniels, DTR, and uh, and Slovis. Um, it kind of just depends on, uh, you know, if UCLA is any good, it's probably going to be dependent on DTR. Jaden Daniels, I think, for my money, I think he's probably got the inside position, Jaden Daniels. Yeah, no, I, I see. I mean, there's a lot of weapons there. If Slovis looks like his freshman year, they got a ton of weapons there, too. But, they, you know, they're replacing... I'm um, Ross and Brown. You're replacing Tyler Vaughn's. Um, they're bringing a new offensive line coach. They had a really ineffective running game last year. So there's a lot. Of, I still there's a lot of question marks around Slovis and the fact that just he didn't throw a, a great spiral a lot of the the season. Um, does that change? And and he just looks like himself again in 2021. Then yeah, he'll be he'll be right up there. But otherwise, I think they'll be an effective offense. But they, they need him to play at that level he did in 2019. To have a chance, but yeah, I'm curious to see what Daniels is able to do. Um, Arizona State's definitely going to be one of the favorites uh, in the Pac-12 South, and most of the returning quarterback power is in the Pac-12 South, so we'll see how that ends up. We, there was another voicemail. I have not listened to it, so hopefully it's uh, the quality is good. Not just the audio quality, but the, the quality of the question, but let me play this one for you, Dave, before we jump into the email questions. Hey, what's up, guys? It's Burke. Um, my question is for Ryan. Uh, this would have been harder to type out in an email. It would have been even harder to reach. I figured I'd call him through voicemail. Uh, my question is, you know, with USC, I noticed on their roster, a lot of guys have a major such as real estate development or business. Uh, and personally, at my time at Ohio State, and I've heard this from other Michigan fans, that a lot of kids that go to these schools can't take majors such as business. They're more so on the communications or sociology route. And I was wondering, uh, on your knowledge with the program, does USC have a specific program that's dedicated to help these kids go through these majors, or are they more so BS classes? Um, what allows these kids at USC to take such majors? Is there anything different than this common program? Uh, thanks for taking my time to answer the question. Love the show, guys. Keep it up. Perk. Thanks, Perk. Can, um, I, can, I, can I just take a stab at this one yeah, first? Yeah, go right ahead. Yeah. Um, so unlike uh, Michigan and to an extent Ohio State, uh, USC isn't a real school. Um, so <laughs> they, you know, these majors that you think of as hard, um, it's all, you know, just patty cakes and tiddlywinks. Anyway, yeah. Ryan, you go ahead. Pretty, pretty much. Yeah. No, I, I'm not the person to ask about the majors. I don't typically 
ask those kind of questions. Um, there's no, there's not like a special major that the only the football players are in. I know that. So there's, uh, I do feel that there's a, a big network of commercial real estate. You see a lot of former players that get into commercial real estate. So I think that's why you see people going through those majors, even if it, it might be a little tougher than communications, or whatever you want to do. There's a network there post graduation that I think a lot of players kind of take advantage of. So I've got um, a, I do have a real answer to this question. Oh, you do? Okay. So I know um, this is from, I think, a few people at UCLA because there was a distinction between what was offered to undergrads at UCLA versus um, USC. With UCLA's undergraduate business degree, if I'm remembering correctly, it was biz econ and there was a heavy math component. And I think with um, with USC, I want to say they offered just like a, a, not a, I think it's like a not math heavy business class. Like I think it's much more on the, I don't know, softer skills side of business or whatever. Um, so that might be what's going on with the major distinction there. Um, it, it, like communications, more or less, like it's a it's a softer skilled um, major than what you typically see at schools, because a lot of times if you're for, for institutions, whatever, they're trying to build towards their business schools. And so it'll be based off like kind of the hard stuff that goes into uh, business schools. But I think for USC, they offer, um, I think, both. They've offered, I think, the math. E, the more math based one and then the one that's not so much. Yeah. Like that, I think they have I think they have business administration, right? And I, I think, I think so. that's a degree at USC. Yeah. So I yeah, I, I know like some of my friends when I was in school, they the path if they were trying to get into the business school, it was hard it was definitely a harder track. Like you probably wouldn't see football players in that. But I think like this one, like the real estate one, maybe that's a little bit different. Um like you said, that there's one that has a, a less of a math component. I do remember like tutoring people, you know, cause I was an engineer. So we had math up the ass, right? We had all kinds of crap, like yeah. our calculus, all of blah, 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 blah. So, and then your, your friends are in like the business school. They're like, Oh, I got this really hard math class. I'm like, okay, whatever. Like, let me show you. It was, <laughs> so it was fun, but yeah. So that would make sense though. If there's a couple tracks and uh, one is more like of a math component than the other. Yeah. And it's come back to bite UCLA in head to heads against USC among many other factors is that UCLA doesn't really offer an undergrad business degree that is going to be very good for athletes with a bunch of other time demands. So then you sort of get stuck with uh, sociology or whatever. Yeah, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm not with... trashing majors. I'm sorry. No, 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 no. Trash them. I was a history major. You can trash them all you, de- all you want. <laughs> um, but no, you don't, you, you, you then get stuck with social communications or, and not even at UCLA communications isn't super easy. You get stuck with social or uh, history. Um, gotcha. With, or so or like if you're a the, really, if you're really smart, you get stuck with world arts and culture, which is really the jam. What, what's that one? Like, oh, that's the one where you're doing like performance art in your classes oh, and stuff. Neat. It's okay. so good. It's so good. Yeah. No, that's, that's where you get stuck if you're a, if you're a genius player, because you're not going to do anything all day. I feel like I missed out some college experiences by not like, by being an engineer, you know, like, there's like, there's other things you could have been doing that have been more fun, you know? in college yeah but. yeah 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 um i feel i missed out on college by like not actually attending <laughs> so I, I think i'm on the other i'm like the, i'm the yang to your yin here on that, on that spectrum i definitely attended we got oh so I, I still got nightmares um it's been a long time all right uh let's see i think we have mark in vancouver is the first one um all right, i'll take or, it you take, oh, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I, sorry. I, will, I will take care of this one. Oregon versus Washington. Uh, hello, champions. Last week, some UW fan emailed in and suggested that Oregon versus Washington should be moved to the end of the season and swap their respected in-state rivalries to the middle. Condescension and smugness aside, I don't see an issue with the idea from a uh, Washington State fan perspective. Many Washington State fans are sick and tired of the Black Friday Apple Cups, particularly when they're in Pullman because it involves travel concerns and cutting Thanksgiving Day celebrations short. Plus, a warmer weather Apple Cup would allow for potential sailgating opportunities, which is the only thing UW Stadium has going for it. Wow. Wow. That is that is just. I love that, that he's not capitalizing Washington or UW throughout the email. Oregon was capitalized, but not Washington. Yeah. Wow. Uh, one thing that might make the U, uh, the Oregon versus UW rivalry more marketable is a name. 
The Pac-12 rivalries all have names to them. Example, Apple Cup, Big Game, Territorial Cup, etc. He missed the the in the big game, but anyway. Uh, (laughs) But the alleged most heated rivalry in the conference between the Ducks and the Dogs doesn't. What would you suggest for the name of this rivalry? Keep up the average work champions. Go Cougs. We actually solicited um, responses to this earlier this year or last year, some year. Um, And I can't remember a single answer. Did we get like good? Was it on Twitter? Because if we ask for it on email, we're not going to get it. But if we, we ask did. on Twitter, we, we get a lot. Maybe we did. Washington, okay. Oregon. Let me see. Let me see. What, let me see if we got anything. But Mark, that's a good email. Obviously, not a big Washington fan. Uh, seems to be okay with Oregon, but not not a huge Husky guy, which makes sense. And I I don't know if it would be condescending or smugness, but it is a big game and. I don't think you're diminishing the Apple Cup at all. The Apple Cup is awesome. It's special just by moving it. I I, I would hope Washington State fans aren't taking that at, you know, that would be a, a slight or anything. I mean, like we said, you know, Michigan, Michigan State play early in the season. It just might might be kind of cool. It, it would be sort of like the Michigan, Ohio State of the of the Pac-12, the Pac-12 North at least, having those team, two teams play at the end of the season. Yeah, okay. Well, I can't find any... Um... Any recommendations for that nickname? Okay. I'm sure they exist because I, I distinctly remember people providing them, but I don't know where they are. All right. This is our buddy Hitler Day. Uh, Balasana. That's child's pose. Child's pose in yoga, right? Like the I believe so, yeah. That's, uh, you know, it's a good stretch. You know, just kind of like do it after workouts. Okay. O- only Oregon and USC signed more than 20 prep recruits in the 2021 cycle. Four more schools have added enough transfers to get over 20, and Oregon State is clearly not done taking transfers. But at least at this point, about half the league looks content to have taken a small class. There's a group of college coaches and analysts who might be called uh, processing uh, maximalists. Uh, They believe that every team should use up their entire 25 initial counters per year, bringing new recruits and or transfers into the program. Since it's pretty rare for 25 kids to leave any program the happy way through graduation or going pro, those teams need to create the additional scholarship headroom the unhappy way by encouraging some numbers to retire. I'm sorry, some number to retire or transfer. That is, quote, processing them out. Uh, The calculation seems pretty simple. Every team has players whom the coaches know after a couple of years are dead weight, and the odds that they'll get a productive player are higher by replacing them, even with a relative unknown. The rise of the transfer portal and this season's eligibility holiday seem to boost those odds even more. Maximalists would argue uh, that there, <coughs> excuse me, there may be one or two teams in the country, Stanford notoriously, where the math plays out differently, but that every other program which fails to clear the roster and refill it with a group of 25 new kids each year is fooling itself. Those programs believe either that they are in fact another Stanford or that they have no dead weight to clear or that they've recruited as hard as they possibly can. Maximalists think all of these are sentimental, cowardly delusions, and therefore it's never appropriate to take a small class. What do you boys make of that argument? Is half the league behaving foolishly? I would say I lean towards maximalism here, um, but I wouldn't say it's an absolute thing. I think there are certainly circumstances where you might take a small class, especially if the graduating class is absurdly small. Like if you're graduating, I don't know, 10 seniors, then taking a 20 person class or 18 person class might very well be legitimate. I mean, I think you have to you got to do your own math on your program um, and see how much average attrition you have per year, because it's not just the transfers you encourage to leave. There is some number who will process themselves out to use your terminology on their own. Um, a lot of those guys are not just happy to take the free meals and, and chill out. Um, some of them want to play and they might, they might have done the, done the, you know, the grunt work of realizing that um, they're not going to play at this level and they want to go down a level or two um, to see uh, if they can find a place where they can actually play and start. Um, Or they've flunked out of school or whatever. I mean, there's some level of attrition. There's also the injuries that happen. Um, You know, guys who uh, have career enders or season enders. And for some schools, that's more than others. UCLA is very strict on its concussion policy. So what that means is you probably have two, maybe one or two guys a year um, and you're not picking them out of the lineup, but one or two guys a year who are maybe going to not be eligible to continue playing for you uh, beyond what a typical team has. 
So you've got to be very, I think, cognizant of your average attrition rate, um, how many guys you're losing every year. Um, and for most programs, I think it, it, it never leaves you in a position where you should take a class of 15 guys. Um, if you're taking a class of 15 guys, more than likely you're going to have open spots um, on the team that year um, just because the, the, the math isn't going to quite work out unless you had an insanely small senior class. So long story short, I think you've generally got to hit at least a minimum of 20. I mean, for the most part, every year. Um, and then uh, I, if you're taking 25, I don't there's only going to be a few situations, I think, where you're actually going to be over signing with 25 kids um, because there just is there is a lot of natural attrition. Um, and then, you know, it's not so much that you have to force guys out. A lot of times it's a very simple conversation with, you know, your redshirt sophomore who hasn't played a lick, and you can just say, hey, look, you're probably not going to play here. Um, you, you might be holding out hopes that you will, but it's probably not going to happen, and we can make some calls for you and figure out a place for you to go. Um, and I don't even think that necessarily needs to be super unhappy. So anyway, uh, yeah, I probably lean more towards maximalism here. I would agree with you. That's the way I would lean as well. Uh, I think getting 20 is a, a good number that you want to keep that going year after year. If there's going to be a real situation that you get less, um, you know, if it's a, a situation you get less because you were trying to get 18 and you only got 14, we've seen that happen. That's a real problem, you know, and and you really, I think you have to err on the side of signing more than signing less, especially with the transfer portal. I think it exasperates the problem. You're you're seeing a lot of guys transfer out. You can't replace people as easy that are transferring out as you can when they're coming in. They still count towards that 25. So if the strategy is, hey, we're going to sign 18 guys out of high school, but we're going to pick up five or six transfers, like you're seeing, you know, he mentioned Oregon State doing stuff like that. Uh, we saw Illinois do stuff like recently. They went really heavy in the transfer portal market with mixed results. But I, I think that's an opportunity. I mean, if you talk to a head coach about would you rather draft an NFL head coach like drafting or free agency? Yeah. I mean, you want to try to use free agency, but usually a free agent, there's a reason he's a free agent. And there's a reason why players in the transfer portal. Sometimes it's a perfect situation. You know, it's nothing's wrong with the kid. It just wasn't the right fit. Grad transfer. And he fits in your program really well. Um, you, you Russell Wilson, the thing out is just awesome. It just works out great. Um, and we've seen a lot of the Heisman trophy, you know, finalists, they're, they're transfers and it just wasn't working out at quarterback for where they were and they move on. But I think you have to err on the, the signing more than signing less. And, it's sort of like if you ever, you know, if you're on an airline and um, your your you know, flight's full and you're like, why is there more? Why, why do they need volunteers? Because they sell, depending on the flight, there's a no-show rate for every flight. And so it's 130 seats, but there's typically five people don't show. They sell 135. Sometimes they all show. And now you're going to have to, like, figure that out. Um, but typically, on average, only 130 show up and then you kind of go out the right way. And I, I feel like it's easier to process guys out later or natural attrition later than signing guys that, uh, you know, if you miss that opportunity. So try if you really do want to bring in 20 prep recruits, do it. Um, and, you know, you kind of figure out the rest of the stuff later. Yeah, agreed. All right. Uh, this is a GIF from um, our uh, uh, serial killer friend. It's one of Chip Kelly licking his lips. Uh, then there's one from Paul slash Webfoot. Uh, linebackers, greetings, champions. Since we've moved into language arguments, I need this settled once and for all. We're, when we're talking about a team's linebacker room, they're often referred to as the linebacker core. Core. Which is correct. C-O-R-P-S, like the Marine Corps, or C-O-R-E, like the core of the earth. I've heard it both ways, but I demand there only be one. Uh, the obvious answer here is it's like Marine Corps, yeah. but you could have the core unit of the linebackers, mm. like the inside guys. The core of the linebacker core could be C-O-R-E of the linebacker C-O-R-E. C-O-R-P-S. Nice. Uh, yeah, that could be. But yeah, yeah I agree but with core you. Means, core means center. Uh, core in this uh, core as in C-O. So C-O-R-E means center. C-O-R-P-S means, uh, you know, an organizational unit. Yeah. Um, real quick on the, 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 so you say, you said GIF. Yeah. 
So I used back when I was an engineer, like in the nineties, those were a thing. Like we called them GIFs, but now like the, I, you talk to millennials like, no, they're GIFs. So do you, have you heard both or what? Yeah, have you heard? I've definitely heard both. There's a real running argument about it, which I find very stupid. Um, pronounce it however you want. Uh, GIFs makes a little bit more sense to me. Um, but yeah, people have their arguments for GIFs too. And it's totally fine. It's totally fine. I feel like it's we a all new know thing. we all know what we're talking about. It doesn't yeah. matter. Um, but we've been getting a lot of these tweets. So, and there's quotes from Chip Kelly, which I assume are real quotes. He says, "Last time I checked, there is no quote Hall of Average." Is that something Chip Kelly said? Yes, he says a lot. What's great about our friend is that he's picking the like most inane things that Chip Kelly has ever said and putting them on these um, pictures of Kelly looking just. <laughs> just looking great like looking like an absolutely thriving man um and it's making me laugh every single one and i think the most recent one he actually put a quote over a picture of piers morgan instead of chip kelly which is yeah. just also mm, beautiful he's, he's been in the news um we also got an email uh from uh our future friend uh, uh tom, his name is tom guess who he works for david who does he work for he worked for Jockey. Oh remember, last, remember last week we were talking about the Jockey stuff and mm -hmm. the mm -hmm. announcers being in their underwear and not knowing anything? Well, I think we're going to get one over by our, our, our friend Tom here. Um, so uh, I'm curious. We'll, we'll keep you guys updated. We're, we're, we'll be in contact with Tom from Jockey, listener of the show. So thanks for listening, Tom. And uh, we'll let you know what he tells. What, so we'll have a little more info, real info on this Jockey deal and uh, what it means going forward. So. Very exciting. Um, yeah, thanks for Tom for that. Perk also emailed in. Uh, what do you guys think of the Pac-12 holding the championship game in Las Vegas? Should it be kept there on a permanent basis? It's great, and yes. Yeah, so he's talking um, football, right? We're not. We don't talk basketball on the show. Uh, Whatever. Right. Do hold it in all, Vegas. Hold all championships in Vegas. Uh, I, I saw there was a very stupid idea to hold the NCAA tournament permanently in Indianapolis. The whole thing. No, but if you wanted to say Vegas instead, that might be cool as hell. So, yeah, do everything in Vegas. It's a great place to have a tournament. Now, Vegas itself, hellhole. Never spend any time there when you're not having to. But for, like, a tournament, very cool. Do it. Mm, I like it. Uh, is the whole NCAA tournament going to be in Indianapolis? This year, yeah, because of the Rona. So they're all. it's like a bubble, basically, they're going to create. They're trying to bubble up, yeah. Okay. Um, to limit travel. And then somebody somebody named David Woods, who writes for the Indianapolis Star, actually, I know, uh, posited the idea that they should do that permanently, which uh, would be horrific for West Coast teams. What a terrible name. What a terrible idea. Terrible just, person. Terrible just, person. Has to, I'm sure he's just a, he's, he's Oh, my God. He's he's uh, <laughs> he's maligning the, na the name. He's bringing um, great yeah. dishonor. But I would agree, Perk. I'd uh, love to have it in uh, Vegas. I mean, we're supposed to have it this year, we, well, 2020. And we didn't get to, but we will get it in 2021. Unlike David, my co-host, I do enjoy Vegas. I like I like gambling. I like, uh, you know, playing some craps. I like playing some blackjack. Um, used to like going to buffets. Can't really do that anymore. Uh, not a huge, like, club guy, but just, you know, I just have fun in Vegas. You can golf out there, um, you know, swim in the pool. I, I enjoy it. It's it's fine. It's fine. I think so. The thing is, um, my perspective on it is I've been going to Vegas. Well, from the age of 21 to about the age of mm, 27, I'd probably go to Vegas like five times a year. Oh, which wow. it's not good for you. It's pretty bad, actually. Um, and I think that has soured me on the experience just generally. I went for the first time again last well 2019 uh, november 2019 and it was horrible just awful experience and it was like dry out so i got like a gushing nosebleed you ever get those oh yeah oh yeah That's... in the dry desert and i was just like this is miserable what am i doing here and just you're getting well and also like you know hitting my mid-30s when i drink now it's like a two-day ordeal afterwards where i'm like <laughs> feeling kind of crappy and it's just like what am i doing why what's the point of this I just come here and I lose money and, and then feel bad for like a couple of days. No. It's one of those things too. Like if you go and like you have a good 
weekend or whatever, and you, you, you win money, it's sort of like, oh, you paid for your vacation. Um, and you're like, well, I can go back. You know, you can, it kind of can bring you back earlier, but if you, yeah, you, know, if you lose money, so that's, you pay. That, that's called, that's called addiction. Yeah. <laughs> I don't have, uh, I'd like gambling. I used to play a lot of, uh, poker over at the hustler casino. But that's um, not gambling. That's a game of skill. That's a game of skill. Uh, but I just enjoy that kind of stuff. I like the chips in my hand. I like playing with the cards, but I don't, I mean, I guess I'm lucky. I don't have an addictive personality. Like I'll go years without doing it. But when I go, I do like to do it. I am, um, I am compulsive in everything I do. So it's very good for me to avoid these things. Very good. That's funny. I think the most compulsive thing I do is like eat sweets. Like I'll just like put a box of cookies in front of me. I'll just eat the whole thing. You know, like I'll, I'll do that. But yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I do it with pretty much everything. So <laughs> you just got, you got to, I just, I just practice avoidance with most of these things. Oh, uh, well, if we were gambling, you, you uh, lost this time with the, the, the question you get to read on this one. So oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> Andrew, I got Hitler day. You get Andrew. That's fine. Uh, Andrew. West's declining share of the NFL population. Gentlemen, so much of the conversation lately centers around the schools of choice for the West's best, West's best, West's best football prospects, particularly in California. But less attention is paid is played is paid to something that is, in my opinion, more important. Are there as many elite football prospects? While digging through some old files, I came upon a college project from 2006 where I looked at NFL rosters and tallied the totals by state, defined by where they went to high school. I did the same thing in 2019. The numbers are below, but the long and short of it is that the West, defined as Montana, Wyoming, Colorado, New Mexico, and Westward, was home to 20.2% of the NFL player pool in 2006, but just 18% in 2019. The Big Ten's primary recruiting ground, which I am calling the North, Midwest, and East, Held almost perfectly steady, 29.8% in 2006 to 29.7% in 2019. The South, broadly defined from Texas up to Virginia, jumped from 50% in 2006 to 52.4% in 2019. This may not seem like much, but given that the NFL player pool consisted of 2,025 players in 2019, a drop of 2.2% means 45 fewer players in the NFL who played their high school football in the West. The Pac-12 would certainly not have gotten all of these guys, but say they get two-thirds of them, that's 30 fewer NFL guys in a given year, or on average between two and three per Pac-12 roster. Given that the average NFL career is shorter than the average college career, it's safe to treat these missing 45 players as constant on an annual basis and not accrued over several college seasons. At the state level, California's share of the NFL player pool dropped from 12.7% in 2006 to 11% in 2019. California alone was responsible for 77% of the West's drop despite being home to just 50% of the West population, meaning that while the issue might be regional, the state of California is really driving this. Gentlemen, what in the hell is going on? Dave, defend your state against accusations from conservatives that California has gone soft. Ryan, please do not nerd bash this. There are no eye charts here, as this is an issue of critical importance to the Pac-12 and we can save ourselves a lot of confusion in the coming decades by understanding that there may be broader things at play, making it harder for the Pac-12 to regain its status than the leadership at Heritage Hall or Westwood. Andrew, Andrew the iCharts guy. Uh, and then he's got his charts down here, which just basically say exactly what he just said. Yeah. Um, one. So the other state notables. Uh, so Florida, 2006, 10.5%. It bumped up to 12.9% in 2019. Texas was more or less flat, 10.5% to 10.6%. And Georgia went up 5.3% to 6.9%. Uh, California I, was a notable drop. Yeah, I, I think if you broke up the South, to, to put Texas and like the SEC country all in the same bucket seems a little, I mean, you could just, it seems kind of arbitrary. I think. Texas would probably be somewhat flat. Like he had the North would be somewhat flat from the numbers you said. I think like the Texas, Oklahoma, you know, that kind of region would be kind of flat. The growth has been in the South and it seems to be uh, at this, you know, it, you know, for California is where they're, you know, they're, you're, that's where the tipping of the scales is going, where California is going down a little bit. I don't know if it's a red state, blue state sort of thing, but there's certainly a lot of pressure in California for kids to not play football, uh, certainly the pandemic, you didn't see any high school football going on uh, in California. You had players leaving the region to, to play football somewhere else. Um, I would say, I, I don't think the population has changed. I think there's still athletes here, but there's not, there's much less of a, 
focus, I think, on football in a, in the West Coast states than there are in the South, where it's become more emphasized. Texas, it was always big, right? High school football is huge. I don't think that's changing. It seems to be, you know, getting a little political pressure out West, where in the South, they're they're building it up even more. So I, I would say that's probably the main reason why this is going on. But I don't know. What do you think, David? I think there's definitely a demo shift going on. Um, California, um, I mean, just the reality of the sport is that it is, if not majority black, it's um, certainly a, a much bigger percentage of the college football playing population is black than is the population of the United States. Um, California, uh, the black population has been flat for, I don't know, last 25 years uh, in absolute numbers. As a percentage of the state, it's gone down considerably. Um, So I think that's probably playing a pretty big role there um, because that's just the realities of the demo of the sport. Um, So that would be something I would initially look at is just how demos are changing in California. Um, because it's a state that's, you know, I, I would say the uh, one of the demographics that's grown considerably is Asian Pacific Islander in um, California, which, you know, with a few exceptions, um, not a huge part of the football population, the football playing population. Um, been a huge growth in um, the Hispanic population since the 70s, really. Um, and that you know, I don't know about the exact numbers of how many, um, what percentage of the of the uh, uh, football playing population is Hispanic, um, but I, I think there's some real demographic changes that have happened in California that that are more than likely impacting this. Now that said, the population just generally in California is so big that it's never going to lose its status as one of the top one of the top talent producing states in terms of college football. Um, but it's relative standing, uh, especially compared to some of the Southern states might, um, you know, it, it might continue to lose ground, uh, over time. Yeah, no, I would agree with all of that. Uh, speaking of high school football, I'm actually going to go to a game. I'm going to go to Woo-hoo! the, the, uh, Sierra Canyon St. John Bosco game on Saturday night. Woo-hoo! Haven't been to a game in a long time. When's the last time you went to high school games? Probably been a while, huh? Uh, I last went to a high school football game, um, God, 2015, So that's the, maybe the one I was with you and we came up with the idea for the podcast. That wasn't a game, game though. We were just watching, uh, Mike Juarez work out, remember? Oh yeah. Okay. Nice. Over at Redondo Union. We were. You were yeah. in my hood. Yeah. Uh, my all right. We, I guess. Step off. Originally. <laughs> I mean, I think I'm closer to Redondo Union than you are. Not my house. No, I'm in Hermosa. I'm like I right down the street. Whatever. Yeah. yeah. Uh, this is less cynicism um, from our buddy Frank in Sacramento. But it's spelled L E S. L E S, because he's going to talk about Les Miles. But he said, I would submit that if Les Miles had gone 18 and three and not three and eight, eight, I'm sorry, three and 18 over two years, he would still be employed as the football coach at Kansas. You can easily imagine the spin. One, that was a long time ago. Two, Less has reformed. Three, we've had no incidents here. Four, everyone deserves a second chance. Frank, you're 100% right. You think so? 100% right. Because wow. all this stuff was easily found two years ago when they hired him. The reason they're trying to get out from under him, I mean, it's a little bit of you know, the stuff that went on, but it's it's if they weren't 3-18, and 18, none of this stuff would be a factor. Kansas did some bad things in hiring him, and nobody would care if they were they were eighteen and three. That's my learned take. You know, but I was initially thinking the other way. But I, I you're right to how they got here. Um, it's it's interesting that you know they needed. If was this coming out because they needed some kind of excuse? I don't know how this was all breaking and stuff. But I mean, Jeff Long had made some the the, athletic, the former athletic director. At Kansas, certainly some questionable stuff has been going on with the basketball program, which is the cash cow there. And the football team's been terrible. You remember when, like, was it uh, Mangino or whatever it was that was the coach? Like, they were, like, in the Fiesta Bowl or something. And Yeah. Daryl, they've just been awful. Everyone they've hired has been awful. Uh, you can't, I mean, I, I get it's a basketball school, you know. 
But like UCLA wins some games there, basketball school. Like you got to be able to do well, it. Whatever. Know? Kansas State is able to have a decent program. Yeah. There's no reason Kansas shouldn't have a decent one too. They've yeah. just been trash for a very long time now. They have. Um, so yeah, I think I'd lean towards you on this one. You convinced me. Uh, if if it was eighteen and three, this probably doesn't come out. There was a lot of protecting of Les Miles when he was at um, LSU. Maybe if he's eighteen and three at, at Kansas, there'd be some protecting of him there as well. The, but the, the crazy thing is, Brian, it, it's like, look, obviously, most of these, just most everyone's a disgusting human being. And let's just in like athletics and stuff, they're just all kind of gross. Don't just like take that as a standard standard thing. I'm gonna talk about this part of it. They shouldn't have hired him in the first place. Like he was not a good fit for that job. You don't hire like somebody who underachieved relative to his talent for a job like that, where he has no talent. Like you don't do that. He's going to fail no matter what. This is turning out to be a spectacular fail because it's based off of also them hiring a, you know, a a scumbag. Um, But he also was never going to be good in this job. And that was something that we, I think we called out at the time, like that this was a bad hire. Um, So yeah, anyway, uh, this was stupid. Uh, Kansas uh, fired him and fired his AD. So that's great. But uh, they, they, Sort of the same sort of deal as what I was saying with Arizona, but even more so. They need to think outside the box with whoever they hire. First of all, no one's going to come. Second, you've really got to think like, okay, what can set us apart from the rest of the Big 12? What's a thing that we can do um, that'll give us some sort of comparative advantage? And it's not hiring some guy who ran a, a bad pro-style offense that like just wasted talent year after year at LSU. Yeah, because, I mean... He was not a good X's and O guy. He was not a good time management guy. Like when you're at Kansas, you need to have like the genius that can figure out a way to out scheme some team that's more talented than you, which is pretty much the entire big 12. So you have, you're going to be, you're not, you know, Les Miles isn't out scheming people. He's not bringing in the talent to out talent people. Yeah. It doesn't seem like a good fit from, from the get go. And I think we, we did talk about that. So, uh, but then you add the like scumbag factor to it. It's just, it's a huge mess at Kansas. Yep. Ugh. All right. Well, that's all we got. So we, we kept it a tight show I this week. I don't think that's it. That's not it. That's not it. That's not it. No, we've got a new one from Robert from Texas. Oh, okay. Off season chaff. Hi, David and Ryan. I'm a fan of the PAC 12, the pod and a native Texan. Ooh. And I international, uh, email. <laughs> In the spirit of conversation for the dregs of the offseason, I have a comment on a recent segment about adding Rice or SMU to the Pac-12. David asked what what SMU has to offer, so let me make a case for them. They have a historically successful football program. Doak Walker went to SMU, among many other greats. They are the third best school academically in the state of Texas behind Rice and UT, and they are steadily improving their football program under Dykes. Culturally, I think SMU is the closest Texas school to USC with a more affluent student body and a large proportion of students in a fraternity or sorority. Each year, you could have the showdown between the University for Spoiled Children and the Southern Millionaires University. Compare them to Rice, who has very little historical success in football and who probably won't invest what it takes to actually compete at the highest level of FBS. Finally, it's not fair to say SMU has issues from the Pony Express days because no one involved in that scandal has been associated with the program for decades They were by no means the only program doing the sorts of things they were doing, and rich people giving money to student-athletes will probably be allowed in football soon anyways in the form of NIL endorsements. The death penalty scandal is ticky-tack compared to the college football scandals of our day and age. In summary, I would love to see SMU and UH compete in the Pac-12, and I think SMU is an overlooked diamond in the rough. Have I convinced you? Robert from Texas. He has. I'm convinced. Yeah, you convinced me, Robert. Uh, you're no, I will say, Rice, exactly how you are describing them, is a perfect analog for Stanford as well. Can you imagine the sleepy affairs between those two? <laughs> all, all 14 fans just excited, <laughs> going at each other's throats in the stands. I mean, they have to run from one side to the other to find somebody from the other team. But man, when they get together, like those 14 fans are going to be just at each other's throats. It'll be incredible. It would it would be kind of cool to see SMU be good again. You know, like they've had some moments and stuff, but that's just one of those things that death penalty had kept that program down for so long. Uh, but, you know, I see Eric Dickerson on TV. He's talking Los Angeles Rams here in Los Angeles a lot. And you just think back to those days like, man, yeah, that was some 
you know, Craig James ends up being like a scumbag, but uh, you know, Dickerson's a cool dude. And uh, then they, they had some, they had some great football teams back then. Yeah, they sure did. So yeah, I think that'd be a lot of fun. Uh, yeah. Give me, give me a couple of Texas schools. Screw UT. They're not going to happen, but give me SMU in Houston. That'd be cool. I'm in. Uh, I like it. You've convinced us. So we're, we're pretty easily convincible. Uh, yeah, we are. Um, we are open to suggestion. Uh, we have perfectly spotless minds. We are Tabula Rasa. <laughs> awesome. Well, tighter show today. Uh, you know, thanks Hitler Day for the the subject that we're going to use for it. Um, but keep sending in those questions and please leave us those uh, five star reviews on Apple Podcasts. We love to le- read those out and uh, hear what you have to say when you trash us. It's a lot of fun. And uh, but we do love the five stars. So thank you again for that. But that is David Woods. I am Ryan Abraham. Thanks so much for tuning in to the podcast of champions. We will talk to you next time. Goodbye.